0: Love forbears. Love acts mercifully. Love does not enviously want what other people have. Love does not brag. It does not puff up. It does not act obscenely. It does not demand its own way. It does, not dis- it does not strive to get even with others. It does not delight in injustice. It rejoices with truth. It endures anything for the sake of the gospel. It generously believes the best about others rather than being sinfully cynical. It wants others to flourish. It keeps on enduring and it lasts forever. all of these verbs Paul used to describe love should have made you think about one person. And that one person should be your mother. So as we celebrate this day, we set aside every year to honor mothers. Let's remember this about our mother's love. It is patient, it is kind, it does not envy nor does it boast. It is not proud, nor does it dishonor others. It is not self seeking nor is it easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always fears. And today's Bible readings come from 1 Samuel 2, verses 22 through 1 Samuel 4, verse 22, John 5, 24 through 47 psalm 106:01 01 through 12 and proverbs 14 30 through 31. so now that we have concluded our verse of the day segment it is now time to move into update 128 of our through the bible in one year segment it's Today we're going to finish up John chapter 4, so we're going to go from verse 43 in John chapter 4 to verse 54 in John chapter 4. So yesterday we saw Jesus living, leaving Jerusalem and passing through Samaria, and we also saw his encounter with a Samaritan woman at the well while he was passing through Samaria in today's section of John's Gospel, Jesus has arrived back in Galilee and is about to perform the second and f- second and final numbered sign of John's Gospel, which brings to a close the section of John's Gospel that began all the way back in chapter 2. So after the two days he left for Galilee. So two days that he spent in Galilee. No, excuse me, two days he spent in Samaria teaching the people of the Samaritan of village Simchar about himself. Now Jesus himself will point out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he arrived in Galilee. The Galileans initially welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem for the past hour festival, for they also had been there. So now we're going to pick up with this story. We've had a little bit of background about what is going on here, starting in verse 43. Days he had left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his home, own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, They ancien all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also Because I put the wrong passage in there. So Jesus left Samaria for Galilee after two days. So John parenthetically adds Jesus' statement That a prophet has no honor among those who know him best. Know him best. Right? Galileans did, however, welcome him as a powerful miracle worker. The father the seriously ill boy traveled about 16 miles from Capernaum to Galilee to obey Jesus to heal his son. So that's what this is really all about. This is about Jesus healing an official son. So this royal official was a probably, probably keep right there an official in Herod's court. So now we're going to pick up in verse 40. We're going to pick up in verse 46. Okay, so, here's the issue. Right, so, we got to finish up where we were. So it says, once more, he will decanate and Galilee. He had turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official who suddenly was sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. So that's so where we get the introduction to this royal official that we were just talking about. So now we're going to pick up in verse 48, and we're going to go through the end of the chapter, which is verse 54 which says unless you people see signs and wonders jesus told him you will never believe the royal official said sir come down before my child dies go jesus replied your son will live the man took jesus at his word and departed while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which, Je- at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live so he and his whole household believed this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee So in verse 48, which is where this particular section begins, his response seems harsh because you see, Jesus unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. But what Jesus was actually doing was he was confronting a mentality that saw him simply as a miracle worker. So he directed his comment both to the royal official and to the Galilean people as a whole. So the father demonstrated his faith by trusting in Jesus' word and immediately returned home after Jesus had pronounced his son healed. So as the As this official traveled home, he encountered his servants along the way and learned that his son had been healed the previous day, the very time Jesus pronounced it. (coughs) The fact that Jesus healed the boy from such a great distance demonstrates that Jesus is the the divine Messiah the father and his household believed in Jesus. And this section of John's Gospel concludes with reference to the fact this was the second sign Jesus performed in Cana. And what was the first sign? The first sign that he performed in Cana of Galilee. So, um, so tomorrow's Bible readings are 1 Samuel chapter 5 through 4, chapter 7, John chapter 6 verses 1 through 21, Psalm 106 verses 13 through 31, and Proverbs 14 verses 32 through 33. <music> Readers and Listeners Welcome to another segment of Verse of the Day Today's verse comes from Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 20 Which say but you Israel, my servant Jacob, who might have chosen you descendants of Abraham, my friend I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you I said you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who war against you will be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord, for I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. <clears throat> See, I will make you a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them, and reduce the hills to chaff. You will winnow them, the wind and will pick them up, and a gale will blow them away. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I the Lord. Them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground springs. I will put in the desert cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers and the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together. So that my people may see and know, may consider and understand, that the hand of the Lord has done this, the Holy One of Israel has created it. So the Lord speaks to Israel here, whom he calls my servant. The people of Israel also call Jacob, our God's chosen people. So after the exile, which is what Isaiah is talking about here. God will gather them and restore them. Their rescue from exile will reveal that he has not rejected them. They can trust him and not fear humans. His hand will strengthen them and uphold them. The vindication of God's people will be evident in the judgment on their enemies. So by their own power, the Israelites will be unable to free themselves from captivity or to overcome their enemies, yet God will help them. His power will bring desirable conditions. So what are these desirable conditions that we're talking about, right? So it says, barren Heights will have flowing rivers. It says, Springs will burst through parched ground and the wasteland will become fertile so in other words the barren thing will have a flowing river will have flowing water will not be barren anymore so springs in other words water is going to come up out of parched ground dry ground and that which was desolate and destroyed will become fertile in other words it will be able to grow crops and be of use for something So these descriptions portray the reversal of cursed conditions as God pours out blessing. So the purpose of such displays of power is that people may see and know that the Holy One of Israel is real, powerful, worthy of worship, and does what idols cannot. Israel is his servant who will do his will and make known his word to the nations. In that way, Israel is called to be a light for the nations. The darkness of people's unbelief and idolatry may be, may be penetrated by the prevailing power of God's word. So Isaiah 41.8 is the very first verse in this passage introduced uses the servant language that will appear multiple times in the coming chapters right because it says but you Israel my servant Jacob whom I have chosen descendants of Abraham my friend so the identity of this servant that God is speaking of here, seems at least initially to be Israel, but will, here's the big question, but will the Israelites be able to serve in this crucial and critical appointed role? And I think we all know the answer to that question. No, they will not. Or perhaps there are true. God's will, he was the agent of God's blessing and judgment, and I think we all know the answer to that question, of course there is, he was the man, Jesus, who lived a perfect sinless life, who followed God's will and God's law exactly to the letter, then died a gruesome death On the cross was buried in a tomb Came up out of that tomb on the third day And is now seated at God's right hand Making intercession for us So that means he serves as as God's agent of blessing And he serves as God's agent of judgment That is why we cannot. That is why we have nothing to fear. That is why we are not to be dismayed. And in today, today's Bible readings are 1 Samuel 5. 1 Samuel 5 <coughs> through 7. John 6, 1 through 21. Psalm 106, 13 through 31. And Proverbs 14, 32 through 33. Now that we have... Ended our verse of the day segment It's now time to move into day 129 of our Through the Bible in One Year segment So yesterday we finished John chapter 4 Today we're going to move into John chapter 5 Which begins a new section of John's Gospel So what we're going to cover today is we're going to cover the first 15 verses So we're going to go through John chapter 5 verses 1-15 through So as chapter 5 unfolds, you're going to see G- John describing Jesus' healing of a lame man on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders responded by accusing Jesus of breaking the Sabbath. And we're going to talk about what the Sabbath actually meant to the people of Israel at the very end of all of this. Because you got to understand what the Sabbath meant and still means to the people of Israel to understand what's actually going on in chapter 5. The Pharisees' vitriolic response provided Jesus an opportunity to offer a glimpse into his self-understanding. This is probably one of the most important chapters in John's Gospel. After they challenged Jesus on his comments, he called a series of witnesses to confirm the truthfulness of his self-testimony. So he concluded with an explanation of why the religious leadership did not believe in him. So the question, this question of Jesus' identity, is just as controversial now as it was during his earthly ministry. So this is the next major section of John's Gospel, which runs from John chapter 5, verse 1, to John chapter 10, verse 42. So the events recounted here in this section are characterized by escalating conflict. So if you notice from chapter 1 all the way up through chapter 5, there's been very little conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day. Now this, now this, now the conflict is escalating. There's going to be more and more conflict all the way up through the end of John's Gospel. So John selects typical events and discourses to illustrate the Jewish people's response to Jesus this large section is sometimes called the festival cycle because john shows how jesus fulfilled and surpassed certain features from some of israel's great festivals which would be the sabbath day passover the festival of tabernacles or sometimes called the festival of booths and dedication Or, as we would now call it, the festival of Hanukkah. So now we're going to pick up with this section. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 9. So here's what it says. Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. I want to talk about that a little bit later. But notice the festival is not named. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie: the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Right, so, and they. So here's what it says, and they waited for the, here's what some manuscripts say here at this point in time, paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters from time to time when an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one is the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they have. So next, verse four, now we going to pick up a verse five, which says, one who was there and had been an invalid for thirty-eight years, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Hmm. So Jesus' first response from seeing this invalid man sitting there is to ask him, Do you want to get well? And the invalid man says, Of course I want to get well, but I can't get into the pool the water to start, start up because I have no one to help me. So, now we're going to pick up in verse 8 and go through verse 9, which says, Then Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat the man was cured he picked up his mat and walked the day on which this took place was a sabbath so we're gonna leave right there so chapter 5 opens with jesus's second trip to jerusalem that is recorded in this gospel. So as I already said it's impossible to know how much time elapsed between the events described at the end of chapter four and the events that have been described that are being described here in chapter five. So John does not indicate which festival brought Jesus to Jerusalem. It really doesn't matter which festival it was, what matters is that this occurred on the Sabbath day. So, you know, the healing took place by a pool called Bethsaida. And that the man whom Jesus healed had been crippled for 38 years. That means this man was 38 years old, more than likely. Which made him a little bit older than Jesus. So his situation had been hopeless because he had no one to help him get into this pool that was supposed to have healing powers or who d- that actually did have healing powers because an angel would come down and start just pull up and if the first person into the pool and the angel start to pull up would be healed so this man didn't have anybody to help him get in the pool so his situation was hopeless, even though this man desperately wanted to be healed, otherwise he would not have responded as he did. In, cap- in verse 7, which is where he said, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So in other words, he could not be the first one into the pool he didn't have anyone to help him get into the pool so it does not appear that this man had any idea who jesus was he did not know jesus's identity or whatsoever because he'd been stuck sitting at this pool he hadn't been to the temple he hadn't been out into the countryside he hadn't watched jesus turn water into wine he hadn't watched jesus heal an official son he hadn't seen any of these things at all he had simply been lying at this pool waiting for someone to come along and help him and this Someone had finally came along, but the crucial point here is that the healing took place on the sabbath. And we know this by repeated references to it all throughout chapter 5. We're not going to get into the repeated references because we're going to see it crop up as we go through chapter 5 section by section. So the Sabbath was considered a weekly festival, and it was governed by strict rules. So we're going to kind of go into a little bit of detail about the Sabbath now. But when we get all done, we're going to go into greater detail than this. So Jesus broke one of the rabbinic rules governing the day by healing on the Sabbath. So in other words, he did work on the Sabbath when you were not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. That's what got Jesus in trouble here to pay attention to this. So in addition, Jesus' command for the man to carry his man broke another one of the Sabbath regulations, because he told this man to work on the Sabbath. You follow me so far? He broke man's version of the Sabbath, not God's version of the Sabbath. I'm going to talk about what God's version of the Sabbath said is supposed to look like at the very end. So stay with me for just a few more minutes. So, John highlights this healing as the third sign Jesus performed. So, the previous sign, as we just talked about, so the previous two signs, right, are that Jesus had turned about 175 gallons of water into wine, and that he had healed a boy from a distance who was near death. And here, and here, he healed a man who had not walked for almost four decades—almost four decades, thirty-eight years to be exact. So we're gonna pick up there. We're gonna go through the through verse fifteen, which is the end of this first section of John chapter five. So here's what it says. In verse ten, And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who had been healed, the man who was healed, had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Jesus, later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. It was Jesus who made him well. So, the Jewish leader's response to this healing is the first open hostility toward Jesus, recorded in John's Gospel. However, conflict was foreshadowed already in the prologue. So, what are we talking about there? Let's go back to John, Chapter 1. Right, so this is a great prologue. Right, it says, so what does it say so it says true light that gives light to everyone starting in verse 9 true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world he was in the world and though the world was made through him the world did not recognize him He came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him so the so, in the prologue, we've already been told there's going to be a great deal of conflict when Jesus finally begin his earthly ministry. And we see that happening right now. We see the beginnings of this. I'm just going to escalate as we go through John chapter 5. Bear that in mind. So the religious leaders confronted the healed man about carrying his mat on the Sabbath. Right, because here's this man carrying his mat on a day when there ain't supposed to be no work done at all. It's supposed to be a day of rest, period. Didn't matter if you needed to carry your mat to get home. You stayed where you were on the Sabbath day. Until the end of the Sabbath day, then you picked your mat up and you carried your mat home. Didn't matter what anybody else told you to do. That's what you did that's what the religious leaders told you to do. You followed me so far? If you are. <coughs> so, this man did not know who healed him because Jesus had slipped away before this man could identify him. And more than likely, this man would not have even been able to identify him in the first place. He'd been able to pick him up, but he wouldn't have been able to say, Hey, this is that crazy man that that, that uh, turned the water into wine back in Cana. This is this crazy man that, uh, you know, he healed this royal official son over in Cana, Galilee also. This man wouldn't have been able to say that, because this man had been stuck laying by a pole in Jerusalem. <coughs> so, later we we see that Jesus found the man in the temple and warned him about continuing to sin. So, it should have been evident to this man. Right, so I'm talking about continuing to sin. This is not about uh, saying that some sinful activity may have caused his lameness. That's not what this is really saying. It is a possibility, but it's a very small possibility. What Jesus is actually talking about is the fact this man essentially did not tell the Jewish leaders, Hey, the only person that can heal a person is God. That's the only way a person can be healed is through God, through an agent of God. So this man was an agent of God. He didn't tell the religious leaders that. He left that part out. In fact, we're told that this man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Why? Because Jesus finds him in the crowd and warns him about continuing to sin. And so it was because, probably because of this rebuke that Jesus gave this man that he went and told the religious leaders, Hey, it's... Jesus, this crazy dude who turned a whole bunch of water—turned a hundred, was it a hundred and seventy-five gallons worth of water? And turned hundred and seventy-five gallons of water into wine. I mean, who healed a boy from a distance who was near death, and he also healed me by just telling me to get up and take my mat and walk. He's the one that healed me, he's the one that did all of this. So now that we understand that, now that we have come to the end of that, let's talk about the Sabbath. Because that's the key to what is going on here. That's the reason why the religious leaders were mad at Jesus. It's the reason why Jesus was in such hot water. It's the reason why, as we're gonna see later, this young man, Gets in the hot water is because this healing took place on the Sabbath day. And this young man had the audacity to do what Jesus told him to do on the Sabbath day, which we'll is pick up his mat and go home. So, let's talk a little bit about the Jewish or the Old Testament Sabbath. Uh, the Old Testament Sabbath, as we have already said, was the 7th day of the week. And in case y'all are wondering, the 7th day of the week ain't Sunday. The 7th day of the week is Saturday. Hmm... Interesting point there, right? Keep that in mind. Right? the Sabbath holy, which was God's command to the people of Israel, meant and it still means to the people of Israel, setting it apart and making it different from other days. So no one was to work. Instead, they were to use it as a time of rest from normal activity and to worship and honor God. the <laughs> interesting. Let's continue Right, so their focus was to be on spiritual and eternal things Everyone with me so far? Hope you all are Cuz this is about ready to get really really good, right? So we know their focus was to be on spiritual and eternal things. So the Israelites were expected to follow the example of God that God Himself sent when He rested after six days of creation. So we're told in Genesis that God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day He rested. And He said, This is a. S- Let's go. Let's actually go and read that. <coughs> So here's what verse 2 says, it says, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So that's the first mention of the Sabbath day in the Bible, and it was a mention of God taking a rest from all the work that he had done Creating the world, did God need to take a day of rest? No, God took a day of rest to establish a principle for us. Right? <clears throat> so it, it was set apart. It was uh, that we were supposed to follow, said, you have this day of rest. to serve, to follow the example of God. So, God set this day aside for our own good. For our own good. To provide a day of spiritual, mental, and physical refreshment. In other words, it was, day, it was, set, it was set aside to be a day where we recharged our batteries. So that we can go into the next week go into the next work week, ready and prepared to go about our daily tasks until the next day of rest came along. So the Sabbath was a sign that the people of Israel belonged to God. Hmm. It was also set aside as it was also to remind them of their miraculous rescue from slavery in Egypt. But as we have already seen in just just this short section of chapter 5, the religious leaders of Jesus' day had taken a day that was to be set aside as a reminder of God's love for the people of Israel. And they had turned it into something else. They had taken this simple day of rest, this simple day of spiritual, mental, and physical refreshment, and they had made it into something else. They had made it another way for them to check the box of how perfect they are didn't do exactly what they said, which included not being able to walk a certain distance, not being able to carry a certain load on the Sabbath day, then you were in violation not of God's law, but of man's law, which in their eyes was worse because, hey, our law was better than God's law. And we, unfortunately, do the same thing today. We, unfortunately, think that our laws, that our regulations regarding what can and cannot be done on certain days of the week. And that, well, you know, you ought not be doing this on this day, you ought not be doing this on this day, and so on and so forth. We have essentially... Taking what God said should be a day, not not just Sunday, and not just Saturday, but let's say you work six days, then the seventh day that you don't work, the next day that you don't work, should be your Sabbath day. Should be the day that you rest from your normal activity where there is normal activities. Should be a day that you set aside once a week for you to recharge yourself. For you to rest spiritually, for you to rest mentally, and for you to rest physically. And so we will pick up from here tomorrow when we go through, we go through John chapter 5, starting in verse 16, and we will take it through verse 30. And so tomorrow's Bible readings are 1 Samuel 8 through 9, John 6, 22 through 42, Psalm 106, 32 through 48 in proverbs 14 34 through 35